Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of From the Lighthouse. I am here with my lovely co-host Michelle. Hi Michelle. Hi Stephanie. And we are today talking about the Man Booker Prize 2017. So the long list was released in July and Michelle and I have been studiously reading as many as we can possibly get through in the time that we have, which is not much. Um, and the shortlist is just about to be announced on the 13th of September. So we thought we'd have this little conversation about the long list while there there still exists a long list. So Michelle, what were your thoughts generally, I suppose, about the, the Booker Prize? Is this something that interests you? Is this something that you ordinarily read your way through? Look, I, I think that it, it, it's it's something that if you're interested in, in literature, you need to think about. Mm. And I was contemplating it as, as we as I was coming here this morning and I was thinking about all the different ways of um, what it actually means to uh, measure literature mm. in, in some sense to uh, what are the what what are the criteria of um, a, a prize winning book mm-hmm. is it to do with literature is it to do where, where do we where do we locate value? Is it economic in terms of sales? Is it um, moral? Because I, I think that for me as a and I think for you too, we, we're always a little bit uneasy about um, books that seem to be awarded for their moral yeah, standpoint for, for reasons that we'll probably talk about. And then is it literary? And then how do we discuss the literary where so often? the 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 popular reader the every you know the the sort of the every person reader issues the literary as 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 being mm. sort of without meaning or without import um and mm. sort of too esoteric yeah so, i mean i think these these conversations are really interesting and i mean what's interesting about the booker prizes is, is the the prize that traditionally has had the biggest impact on sales so um, according to some research that we did, um, or that more accurately Michelle did <laughs> for um, this podcast, um, Paul Beatty, who won the, the Booker Prize last year for the sellout, um, his sales increased a whopping 658%, which is... Kind of astronomical, isn't it? It's kind unbelievable, yeah. So, I mean, I think we need to kind of think seriously about what kinds of books win prizes. And traditionally, like, much of the conversation has been around um, the dearth of women and um, women writers winning prizes and also the kind of um, domination of these prizes by white male writers. So I think that's an interesting conversation that still needs to happen. Well, and it's it's also really, I, I, I think that the Booker Prize, when you look at it in relation to other um, other other prizes, say for example the uh, um, the Goncourt Prix in in in, mm. in, in, in in Paris, where it's it's in in France, where it's it's always been very much based on 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 a notion of cultural value that has virtually nothing to do with how popular a book is, um, and in in fact is indicative of of how sort of um, how much it's about the the sort of the cultural prestige, you know, whatever we think of as as cultural prestige. Um, it, it's it's not about money. It, it it's it's not about um, getting biggest sales necessarily. Mm. It's it's it seems to be that there's a, there's a there's a much uh, a, a much more um, d- defined notion or or a much more. Uh, constructed notion of, of a literary text, whereas I think with the Booker Prize, um, there is this sort of link of the Booker Prize as a way of raising 
um, the, the profile of, of writers. Yeah, I agree. I and think, literature it, itself. Yeah, I think there's a there's a very strong link that the Booker draws out between the the, the novels that are are long listed, short listed, but certainly the one that wins to sales. I think that's how they place kind of value on on books, you know, extending the, the notion and the profile out um, to the kind of wider audience. And I've noticed betting, here too. Betting. I mean, yeah, betting. betting. My goodness. I, I know. I've never bet on anything, but I'm, I'm sort of tempted to I know. make my well, first I feel, foray into the, into the betting world. With... I feel this is the only topic upon which I could bet with any kind of knowledge, you know, <laughs> behind <laughs> the me. the odds might be yeah. with you as the opposed odds, to against yeah. you. It won't be just, you know, I like that horse's colour or number. It would be, you know, I've actually read this book and I think it might, it might have a chance. But it's certainly um, it's interesting to read. We you've done some digging up um, of of information from the Booker Prize website, and um, it says that the Booker Prize aims to reward merit, raise the stature of the author in the eyes of the public, and increase the sale of books. Yeah. So it's certainly one of the the key kind of um, focuses is bringing these books that might not necessarily be visible to the public, the broader public. Um, and, and raising the profile of that author and connecting that to sales. So there is a huge commercial imperative kind of built into the award. And I think also there's a huge consideration of the public, mm. which I guess to me, and it's funny because we're both lovers of of literature and, and I know that we're both passionate about what we think the literary does, yeah. um, you know, sort of for any culture, for any society. And yet I guess my unease with that sort of... Um, aim of appeasing perhaps a public or choosing a book based on something like readability I guess mm. is 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 that idea that it becomes a little bit like a, a sort of a, a messy democracy yeah <laughs> uh, Julian Barnes calls it posh bingo yeah <laughs> um and I, I I think that it it sort of also gets to that idea where we we sort of end up with just as we end up with politicians who are trying to second guess what the public wants, yeah, you know, is there that sort of notion as as, as well in terms of what issues we think are going to ignite a public and yeah, and what's that's the relevant, should. yeah. And I always feel that with the literary, um, I, I have this sense that in the end, and I think this is one of the things that will distinguish for me which books I want to see go forward. It's it's the books that have this sort of intrinsic need to be written as opposed to this sensation that they should be written or yeah. that they should say this or that they... Because I think almost in uh, without exception, any time that I found a sort of a, a weak spot in a, in a book, it was where I felt they were doing something that they thought they should do as opposed to what that particular sort mm. of literary text needed to do at that point in time. And there's certainly been kind of... Um, Years where I felt that um, the winner was dictated more by kind of cultural and social factors. In fact, probably every year the winner is is dictated by a lot of cultural and social factors that surround the books rather than just the books themselves. So, for example, um, The Sellout, um, which won last year. Now, I think that was a very fine novel, but I think it was also a novel that was felt to be particularly important because of the cultural context. So... um, it's it's a kind of messy and complicated conversation. And there's been, you know, I, I was looking at the list of, of winners from the past and it's interesting to see that some of them have remained kind of central key touchstone texts. But some of them I thought 
that sunk like a stone. Yeah, that that sunk like a stone. No one's read that for 30 years. So it it can be very touch and go. And I remember there was a controversy a few years ago. Stella Duffy was on the, um, I think, the chair of the panel. And there was this all this kind of talk about readability. And she put forward her ideas about readability in a way that suggested that the prize in the past had gone to non-readable books <laughs> and that she was... As, as chair in that particular year, now I can't remember what year it was, but in, in that particular year that she was stressing the kind of importance of readability, which is a very kind of um, interesting kind of valuation and says all, all sorts of things about what we perceive the reader, the common reader to want, you know, um, and what we place value on and where the kind of Booker Prize is situated in the kind of literary landscape. It suggests that, at least in that year, that there was more of a kind of attempt to pitch it as a kind of middle-brow thing rather than a kind of high-brow literary engagement, I suppose. So these things are always influenced, I suppose what I'm saying here is these things are always influenced by factors outside of the books as much as they're they're influenced by factors inside the books. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I I think that it's it's essential Mm. um, to the process that that is the fact. I mean, Mm. we're always, I guess... I always think of that notion of you're sort of always aiming for a literature to come. Yeah. And so, which is why I always get uncomfortable about books that feel like they're, they're sort of trying to, to please rather than, mm. than be. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that at the same time, when we're always recognising the, the sort of the inherent flaws of any one time, one historical point in time, uh, you, you are lobbying for change and there are really um, sort of important uh, criteria to take into account mm. where books do matter because uh, it is part of that attempt to change a literary scape, literally a literary landscape that has been dominated by white yeah, men. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think that it was important and significant um that the, the sellout one last year because it was it was a, a book that was so explicitly not about white men. It was written by a black um a black man and it was about um the African American experience and I think that was very timely that it won in that particular year. But like I said, these these considerations sort of exist in the context in the culture as well as within the actual kind of um, merit in inverted commas of the of the books themselves. Yeah, and and it's I mean it's it's it, it, it's really impo- I, I I think it's impossible to extricate mm. um, you know sort of I- any form of uh, sort of value allotting system from its context. Exactly. So it's, Those it's things are inseparable. As though there's some sort of neutrally great yeah concept of literature. Um, that isn't already always already going to be filled in with lots of um, criteria that actually have histories and, and political that's, context. That's and, right. It's impossible to read to read these things divorced from context. Yeah. And these things are inextricably related to context. And there's so much that's sort of interesting to think about why particular texts speak to us at particular moments in time, and and why those texts that I, I referenced that have, have kind of fallen off. Um, kind of cultural awareness and some texts have remained. But I think that this is a kind of good um, segue into going through the long list. I've yeah. read 10 of them. I think you've read some, something, something, yeah, like, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Um, and to discuss our thoughts on each of the the um, nominated books and which ones we feel should go through. So we're going to go through these in alphabetical order. 
um, for the sake or I think as close to alphabetical yeah. order as we accidentally yeah. um, put it in um, for the sake of, of, um, of fairness. And we're starting off then with, um, I should say there are 13 books on the long list, the man book a dozen, so to speak. Um, <laughs> so we're starting off with 4321 by Paul Oster. Um, I have to confess this is one of the three I haven't read. Yep. And it's I, I've actually sat down and read almost the first chapter, um, but that's, that's, that's very also, impressive. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, uh, it was only time that stopped me from yeah. from going further, um, and yet I think uh, I mean Paul Oster. Um, is is really an author that I grew up with. Yeah. Uh, I, I I remember sort of reading him in my in my twenties in my first you know, sort of university days, and yeah. I, I think that there's no doubt that there is that feel of someone who um, who is a craftsman and his prose is is elegant mm. and it's um, it, it has a weight to it. Mm. Um, and I, without a doubt, we'll both be reading that. But it's also interesting that when we were sort of, I guess, uh, selecting our, or prioritising, yeah. at some point, yeah, you have to make decisions. There were the prioritising. It was the one that I let slip, and I don't know if it's because, it, you know, that there's that feeling of familiarity with Oster that I felt, well, you know, definitely get there with a with a short list and I was anxious to read because uh, there are lots of new novelists on this yeah there, there are lots of debut novelists or at least new to like new to us kind of not as as kind or, of well known yeah as the or others. for example George Sanders who makes yeah. his his foray into the into novel, the novel after, after, after short, short stories after, after short stories well the reason that made me put that down the pile is because it's really long I have to admit yeah. um, I'm not averse to a long book I love a, a long book in fact I have a tote bag that says I love big books and I cannot lie um, yeah. <laughs> because I am very mature yeah. um, but when you have to get through 13 books in a very short amount of time in order to prepare for a podcast length does prohibit one <laughs> picking it up so that's that's why I haven't but it's also picked a it up. I think it is also that theme as well because I wasn't sure that I was in the state of mind yeah. to commit to a sort of a, a building ceremony um, of the, of that nature yeah uh, it is a, it is a big commitment yeah. to go into an 800 but, but also that so theme page. I guess where yeah. um, it is an acknowledgement of, of, of the context where the, 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 the story of, of, of you know sort of the, the, the little boy growing up and he grows um, up four different ways so that's the conceit of the novel is that it's four different versions of his of his life so there is kind of a lot of work to be done there <laughs> and you've really got to be into that kind of um, story I suppose the, the subtlety yeah. and the and, yeah. and the, the 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 micro details and um I I think that uh, you know one of the stories that I adored mm. um was actually Reservoir yeah 13 well shall we skip um, to Reservoir 13 then well I, I was I was thinking that there was just it was just the the there was that sense of of sort of well known themes um you know so, sort of adolescent or, or or near adolescent girls going missing and 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 so, so of course you're sort of walking these um well-worn paths but at the same time all the way through you, you know the, the combination of, of prose and and the combination of the um 
I, I guess there there was just such a there was there was such a atmosphere. Yes. And, and yeah. Such, such an atmosphere and and such a sense of. Um, I, I guess I, I guess just a, a sense of an author who who knows right from the start what they want to do. Yeah. So backing up a little bit, this is Reservoir. We're jumping now to Reservoir Thirteen by John McGregor, who is a UK author. Um, and this is a novel that kind of sets itself up initially, or it looks like initially it's going to be about a missing girl, which is kind of um, the most overdone perhaps kind of story um, that you can imagine so it's about a missing teenage girl called Rebecca Shaw however it's not actually about a missing teenage girl in in actual fact what it's about is about the town the kind of um, country rural town that's around that she's gone missing within and it's about the lives of the people that are affected um, about, by the disappearance but it, and it's about time it's about nature it took me a good 30 pages to figure out what was happening um, but once I was into the, the, the kind of rhythm of the novel um, and I realised what was happening and we were going to just follow these people's lives in and out across time I think it runs through 13 12 or 13 years 13, yeah, 13 years um, and you know you were going to see marriages fall apart marriages formed children born you know people die all of these kinds of things that happen in the general course of time um it's it's beautiful i thought it was a wonderful book i thought it was written brilliantly i, I ended up absolutely loving it and it's one that i keep thinking about i keep thinking about the these people life yeah and and i think you know it sounds as though without um too much surprise i think it's it's one that i i'd love to see um shortlisted i'd love to see it shortlisted too and it was it was kind of um not what i was expecting um and i thought it was brilliantly handled and i keep thinking about the people in the town yeah and how i wanted to stay with them but for, for me it, i think it, it sort of uh it encapsulates what i love about, about somebody who 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 really writes and it, it's it's that feeling that that the sub subtext is is so mm. so profound and and you know like deep waters it's, yeah. it's there from 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 the beginning and i had this little snippet from mcgregor where he said um i'm sure it was from the guardian um review of his book where he said i'm allergic to making points in fiction <laughs> and at that point i wanted to kiss him <laughs> so I, I i think that's that that's what i felt with this book yeah it, it, it was it was doing what it needed to do and it meanders about but in such a beautiful way i mean i didn't want it to do anything more than what it did and it and for me i I actually don't usually respond well to descriptions of landscape in novels because I, I often get quite bored by them. But the, it, the way he describes oh, the, the atmosphere and the changes that happen and the seasonal changes that happen, you know, when the, it gets colder and gets warmer but, but, and but all of that. That's because he, yeah. all the way through, every one of those descriptions is, is only... Uh, a, 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 it is a description with metaphoric import. Because yeah, that's when you're right. reading about the changing of, of the seasons, you know that you're you're reading about what it means to be mortal. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and and there's a there's a real sense of, of like this isn't here to kind of show off how good I am about writing nature descriptions, but it's actually um, part of the landscape of the of the novel. I, I really ended up at first I thought I don't know what's what what this is about, but once I was past that initial kind of confusion, I just fell into this book and loved it, and I really hope it makes the short list. Absolutely. Um, shall we talk about Days Without End by Sebastian Barry? Have you read this? I, I've only read four chapters, so, okay. but I, I've, I've had a sort of a, a little bit of a, a, a hunt around and etc. so I, I feel as though... You feel um, like you've read it. Lo- loved the prose. 
uh, you know, for, for me, one of the things that has to work is, is I, I, yeah, mm. you, you've you've got to have that magic that feels both sort of original and right, but also timeless. And I think he did that with that. Um, well, I liked the prose too. I've read the whole book. It's a it's an American Civil War book. Um, so, well, it's, it, it eventually becomes an American Civil War book. What I found with this book, I read it quite a long time ago, so before it was nominated for the, um, the Man Booker. Um, I really liked it at first, but the more it became about war, the less I liked it. Um, I think this is actually a me thing, because I find it really hard to read about war. Um, for some reason, whenever, like a book, a, a novel turns to descriptions of battles and so forth. My brain just shuts down. I think I'm just not engaged by writing about warfare. I can't visualise it. I can't engage with it. And so the more it became about the war, the less I engaged with it. That that could happen yeah. to me. Um, I, I, did, I did actually love War and Peace, but I think that the, the, the only scene of the war of war that actually st- sticks with me is the moment when I think Nikolai's looking up at the sky and it's blue. <laughs> you yeah. know, because I have a similar... Yeah, uh, because you've looked up at the sky and it's been blue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's just... It's yeah. just a, I'm kind of like you in the sense that I am not interested by war. Yeah, I'm, I'm not interested not, by war. I know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a, I, I read it because it had been highly recommended by various people. But um, I didn't find myself enjoying it. I found myself bored by a lot of it. Um, I did like the kind of initial chapters. Um, I did kind of like the conceit. So um, without giving too much away, it's about two two soldiers um, who develop a relationship. And so I liked the conceit. I liked the writing. But the, the more it became about war, the less it kind of um, enthralled me. So I found myself kind of really liking it at first and then falling away. Do you now that I know that so much of it? I know. <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 no. It may I, just I, be my thing. Other people look, have no, loved I think, it. I, I think I share uh, a, a sort of a, a just, it's, it's, it's just I'm not interested in, 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 in reading war. Yeah, um, I just, so and I can't yeah. visualise it. I can't imagine what it is, it's like. I, I've always had this problem. I can't, I can't recall I mean, I can read war books, but I mostly read war books about the home front, you know. So um, I, I just can't kind of get into that. You, would so you, would like you want to see it shortlisted, do you think? Um, or there's just more that you... There's more that I liked. I liked a lot on this on yeah. this long list, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and so I'd rather something else. Um, and I think Sebastian Barry... Like, I know this is kind of one of those external considerations, but Sebastian Barry has quite a lively career already, and so I'd like to kind of see somebody like um, John McGregor, who wrote Reservoir 13, yeah. kind of come to the forefront of the literary consciousness a bit more than, than perhaps Barry, who's already got a big... Um, following yeah look I think that but I actually think that's a very mm. valid thing to think about when we've just spoken about yeah. what the goal of what of the, part of, of the, the prize goal exactly is yeah um, so yeah all right so next on our list we have history of walls by Emily Friedland who is a US author have you read this no okay I have um so I just finished reading this a few about a fortnight ago um so this is a book um about a teenager who becomes enthralled in this family. Um, she becomes involved with this family who moves in to the house basically across the way. She lives in um, in Minnesota in a rural area. It's very cold constantly. <laughs> um, and she, she com- becomes involved in the lives of these people um, who have a four-year-old and she babysits the, the four-year-old. Um, I really liked the concept of the book. I didn't like the book that much I thought it was really well written on a prose level I really enjoyed it but for me the plot was all over the place 
Um, so there is a kind of, um, again, without spoiling it too much for listeners, um, there is a kind of central problem or central incident that happens. Um, you know what that is fairly early on. So say about halfway through, it becomes clear what's happened um, with the with the young boy. But it's managed in this sort of strange way that didn't really work for me. I found it a bit anticlimactic. Um, the the young girl is she's narrating from an experience. She's narrating a teenage experience from the perspective of herself when she's in her late thirties. Um, I didn't think the time shifts were handled particularly well. I didn't didn't really see the point of of you know of it being backwards narrated and the backwards and, and forwards. Yeah, and I yeah. didn't think um, those shifts were handled particularly well. I found it a bit anticlimactic. Um, she becomes as a teenager. She becomes really interested in a teacher who is. Um, she discovers quite early on, so it's not really a spoiler, um, has had pedophilia charges laid against him. And she becomes very supportive of this teacher in ways that didn't really make sense to me. So she tries to kind of keep up with him throughout her life and he is involved with a student at the school, etc. Um, so I found this book a bit messy. Um, I, it's a debut novel, which might account for the messiness. I think that Emily Friedland is a really good writer on a kind of prose craft level. But for me, there was a bit too much messiness about the plotting, um, too much um, kind of not very subtly conveyed, this is the important point that I want you to think about kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so it just it didn't work for me as much as it, it might have. I found it quite enjoyable to read on a kind of, you know, I'm sitting down and reading on a Saturday afternoon kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't, for me, didn't really rise to the level of other books on this list. Yeah. Um, so... I kind of think that this one won't go through. Um, oh. And I've, I've seen a few reviews that kind of share my, it was fine but not great, <laughs> kind of assessment of it. Um, so my my prediction is that it won't go through to the shortlist, but who knows, what do I know? <laughs> Look, and I mean, I think it's, it's, it's interesting because already we're starting to see that perhaps there are other considerations in terms mm. of compiling this long list, yeah. um, you know, sort of raising the stature of particular authors. authors yeah. uh, and one of the things that I think you can see with uh, sort of the newly, um, the relatively newly uh, sort of transatlantic mm. sort of um, edition of, of American Yeah, because that's only been in for, the American books have only been um, eligible for two or three years, I think, yeah. I think, yeah, 2014. I, I th- yeah. Two, um, 2014 or so. So, I, and I mean, I think that's, you know, when you when you step back from that long list and, and, and you, 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 you look at it from the, from the perspective of um, sort of, geography when you think Mm. about it from sort of demographics when you think about you know Mm. when you think about it in terms of divides between urban and 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 rural and in terms of uh you know sort of american history in terms of you 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 can sort of see that um we are we are starting to get a a, a sort of i guess a a, a richer yeah um fray i guess out of out of the yeah out of the 13 and i'm certainly like to read what this author does in the yeah a book about a teenager yeah Yeah. that's right and it is very much a teenage story i'd like to read what emily friedland does after this but i just kind of feel like it it screamed debut novel to me in ways that made me want to read what she does in the future which is good but also made me think that this is not as refined as it is and i think that is important i mean it doesn't matter uh what what sort of criteria you have i i think that a certain level of proficiency has to be maintained before um 
you know, sort of you can go forward yeah, to, that, that's to right. that long list. I mean, would you would you would you have long listed her? Mm, probably not. Yeah. I think there's a lot of good writing out there, so yeah. I probably wouldn't have. I mean, yeah, I can think of other books yeah. that I've read this year that have got to me more than this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have to kick along because we have thirteen of these to get yeah, through. Yeah, I know. Um, so we've got Exit West by Mohsin Hamid, um, who is a Pakistani UK writer. Um, have you read this? Yeah, I yeah, have. I yeah, we've have, both yeah. read this. Um, so this is a really interesting book. Um, it's got magical realism elements. Um, Speculative. It's, it's sort of futuristic. Yeah. And, and yet also utterly sort of deliberately realist as well. Yeah, so um, it's about immigration and migration, I suppose, and um, the idea that the only kind of magical realist element is that there are these portals that allow, that open up, that allow the people in the story to flip between cities to step into a portal and step out into another into another country. So we have our two um, our two main uh, characters are Saeed and Nadia who kind of end up in a quasi relationship with each other um, because there is a war happening in their unnamed city. I really liked this novel. Um, I'm not sure what you thought of it. it. I actually like it more in retrospect than I did while I was reading it. It's the kind of thing where it's very simple. I found it was very simply yep. written, but it stayed with me. I found myself I find myself thinking about this novel a lot. Yeah, I look. I I, I think that when I sort of step back from it, because mm. uh, I I think that it is uh, that uh, I think it's it's quite uh, sort of beautiful plain prose because I think that yeah. there's prose and I think there are examples of some cliche prose amongst yeah. the the long list. Yeah, but I, I think that uh, that that uh, Exit West keeps to that sort of deliberately clean yeah it's um, very sort of passed prose. down and yeah yep, yep. Um, and and I think too that there are so many profound transformations that occur in in a very slim novel mm. um, and we actually do watch uh, a city that you know sort of could conceivably be have been Iran. It could conceivably have been Syria. It could have mm. been because it's it's very um, it's very much a um, a, a, a city uh, living under Sharia law. It's um, a, yeah, and it's, or, it's certainly or, or, an Islamic city. Um, yeah. And a lot of it's a lot of the um, I guess the. The, the, the aspects of, of Islam are handled very concretely mm. um, and the, the, the very different ways of, of, of um, experiencing Islamic law in the city and the characters' experiences of that law, I, I think, um, was, was done really deftly mm. because uh, I, I think that it, 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 it's, hard to, it, it's hard to convey to a Western audience... Yeah. The degree to which um, aspects of Islamic law that can seem uh, constraining or, or or impossible to 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 in, endure from a Western perspective are actually loved and yeah. um, are not only loved but are, are sort of chosen uh, because obviously Nadia very deliberately chooses to wear the shador. Oh, no, she doesn't wear the shador because she doesn't. I think does she cover the, her head? It's, uh, but anyway, she's got the black robe and she maintains that black robe even though she's not the religious one out of the two of them. And she and she maintains it when she doesn't have to. And she maintains mm. it when she doesn't have to. And she maintains it when she crosses to London, when she crosses back, when she lives. <laughs> and 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 I think that that takes great skill and insight. Yeah. In in order to to, to do that, and I think also watching the way. Um, 
that cities, the, 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 I guess the tipping points in a city and in, in, in change, mm. of change. And I think that's something that he captures. And what becomes so brilliant about the way he does that, I, I think, is the way that we see that happen in a London yeah. that is so close to being London. And, and I think that's the thing all the way through. Um, the cities that he represents are so close to being the cities. Yeah, but there's something just not a bit off. And, yeah. and, and But it's not even that. He takes it that one bit further because he, 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 he pushes them past those points. Points, yeah, that's right. And, and I think that the, the London that he, um, that he portrays um, is, a, is, a, is an incredibly vital London. Yeah. Because we, I, I think it's, it's, there is a, a real failure um, for I think there's a real failure of the imagination in in a lot of sort of uh, sort of more privileged nations to understand the degree to which the pressure of um, you know sort of refugees and 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 the immensity the scale of, of yeah. human um, you know sort of 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 of, of, of human um, I guess. Uh, Homelessness of, yeah. of human um, exile. The it's very scale much of, of human its, exile. Yeah, it's very much of its time. I think this is one a novel that's very apt at the moment to read. But I also thought that um, the, those sections where he was talking about London and how it's changed because of this kind of free movement that is allowed through these portals are brilliant. But what actually hit me more is the relationship between Sayid and Nadia in all its kind of complexity so the the relationship gritty detail nitty gritty detail detail. and so realistic the way that their relationship develops the way that it dissipates dissipates or unravels i suppose without giving too much away about what actually happens but the 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 way that their relationship transforms itself over time and in these extraordinary circumstances to me was brilliant and really very in the same time as, as we're dealing with magical realism it was so realistic yeah. those human relationships I thought that I, I loved this book I, I really it's the one that sort of st- stuck in my head the longest I think yeah and, and and there was something very enabling you know it wasn't for the the, the way that characters moved through portals um, so that so that within a, a space of a few hours they could end up from the unnamed sort of perhaps Persian city in to, yeah. to a Greek island yeah. to London mm. um, you know the, the the way that he chose his destinations um, uh, it is Very also one, the, the yeah. afterlife of, of Exit West, and, um, and because it was so enabling that that and, and and it's not so far from the truth because the reality is that distances are navigated very easily. Yeah, that's today, right. Today, like twenty four exactly. hours, exactly. and the only thing that sort of creates these hurdles or or, or that ends up with people sort of um, gathered mm. on the frontiers of of, of or, or uh, uh, on the other side of the barbed wire mm. is in actual fact or, or all of the. Um, you know, sort of the the, 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 the customs and the yeah, that's right. These, and, these and the, yeah, these kind of fake because in actual fact things, it's very barriers easier to travel. Should travel, that's right. Move. So I thought that was a beautiful book. All right, so moving swiftly along as we, we are fast want that running, one to be we want that to be shortlisted. So running out of time, so we have to really yep, yep. pick up the speed. Solar Bones by Mike McCormack. He's an Irish writer. Um, this book has become famous because um, it's the it's the single sentence novel. Yep. So the entire novel is written as a single sentence. We only get a full stop right at the end. I loved this book. I thought I was going to hate it because I thought, what a gimmick. Ended up absolutely adoring this book. Read it over a day. What did you think? Yep, absolutely. And I think it's so easy for something like the single, the single sentence. sentence to turn into a gimmick where it's yep. just about, look what I can do. Yep. 
and in actual fact I, I think that it became uh, it, 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 it sort of became a significant part it, it was enmeshed in the very being yep. of the book so, yeah, I couldn't imagine it any other way so yeah. it's about a man reflecting on his life and take and his thoughts you know in the cl- kind of classic modernist stream of consciousness style it's so thoughts. readable not yeah. hard not, not, not hard prose not, not no. alienating prose um, and it's entirely natural the way his thoughts move from one subject or one kind of recollection to another it's and it's kind of so beautiful to read I was going to say but it is also I think aesthetically beautiful because yeah. something that it, it, it sort of it, it, it in some way um ex- intensifies the, the the word on the page I mm. think in a way that and it's so pared back it is it, it is so pared back yeah. and it gives it a, a, a beautiful a beautiful it's like a, a, it looks sort of there's something skeletal about it I guess yeah um, no I, I absolutely ended up adoring this book one of my favorites from the long list in ways that I didn't expect but it's it's impossible to imagine the book having the impact of, of that it has if it was written any other way I think it's just must I mean literature's always had a, an engagement with death I mean yeah. it, it always has it's it's sort of um you know it, it, it's it's I, I think that anyone who's spent even the smallest amount of time thinking about what literature Literature does will have thought mm. about its role in terms, its way of considering death, mortality, immortality through art, you know, all of those sorts of things. And yet, I think you would have to say that this year's long list has a sort of a fairly heavy, yes, um, and in 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 a, in a very varied way. Because I mean, if you think about how differently death is both central to a novel, but also portrayed in a way that is quite different to the way that the other authors have Yeah, oh, absolutely. So I think we'll we'll take up that Mm. point when we get to a few later down the list. Um, The next we have is Element by Fiona Mosley. I haven't read this book. I have to admit I know very little about it. I know she's a UK debut novelist, I think, Um, and it's a British Gothic um, set in Yorkshire. I think it's about a family, but apart from that, I do not know. No. If it makes it to the shortlist. Oh, there's a Ted Hughes, re- I know that it's it's referencing t- uh, Ted, Hughes Ted Hughes' cycle of poems. And yeah, possibly. Yep, yep, yep. If it gets to the shortlist, I will read it and do my due diligence. Well, I, might, but... I think I'll read it anyway, but I, unfortunately, um, <laughs> hours in the day. Oh, but that's right, yep. and we have jobs and all that, unfortunately, um, <laughs> that impact upon our reading time. Um, so the next one on my list is, again, another one I haven't read. I don't think you've read this either. Um, this is The Ministry of Utmost Happiness by Arundhati Roy. No, but do you know, I'm not a great Arundhati Roy fan. So it's, No, it's, I'm not no, either. And, yeah. and unfortunately, that was, and I will, st- I, I will still read it because I, I I feel on principle one needs... Not, <laughs> well, not now we've one, signed up to this. Well, we have it, to, yeah. Exactly, but also we don't just read books that we think we're going to like, right. we, yeah. because otherwise you're never going to be... You know, challenged, sort of, yeah. Um, yeah, challenged. So, I, but, so that alone is not enough to stop me from reading it, but it, it, it did mean that it wasn't on my top. Yeah, so. it wasn't on my top list either. I didn't find The God of Small Things very readable. Um, I didn't really enjoy that many years ago no, whenever maybe, it came out. Yeah. Um, but it's one def- that we'll definitely... I'm glad we confessed these yeah, things. Yeah, we, we are. Look, look, we're being very honest here. Um, all right, so now Lincoln in the Bardo by George Saunders. Yeah. Um, I, we've both read yep, this. Yep, yep, um, So this is about um, the death of Abraham Lincoln's son, Willie, and it's um, a really interesting polyphonic um, novel. So it's a novel narrated by many, many different characters. I think there's about 150 different characters. So many different voices. So many different collage voices. Collage effects with collage, historical accounts, yeah. memoir, scholarship mixed in with... Um, fake scholarship. Fake scholarship. I loved this book. Yeah, I did too. I adored definitely. it. I It took me, again, about 30 pages to understand what the kind of vibe of the book is, I suppose. After that, I absolutely loved it. It's sad. It's 
funny. It's clever. It's one of the... It's bawdy. It's bawdy. It's so bawdy. So bawdy. It's so fantastically bawdy. Especially, um, we won't give away the um, kind of joke about Hans Volman. You'll have to read the book. In order to find to. out, it's, no, it's, no, no, we are not. We're not giving it away because we want people to read no, it, and it's yeah. worth. I don't know. I, discovering. I think I'd be tempted to read it once I heard. You know, no, we won't. Anyway, no, we won't, no, we won't give it away. For being so disciplined. I am very disciplined. Um, I'm going to stop you from giving it away because it's worth finding out. Um, but it's it's so it's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, it's not hard to, even though you got so many voices, so many stories, and these are mostly voices of people who've died and are sitting in the bardo, which is a kind of um, midway point between being alive and going to the next Reincarn- yeah, yeah, reincarnation, reincarnation in the Tibetan Muslim, uh, sorry, Buddhist tradition. Um, so it's. You know, the, it's all kind of these of like a multicultural religious extravaganza yeah. because, in actual fact, he, I think that was one of the things that I loved because sometimes I, I felt myself going, "Oh no, this." Because uh, one of the things that the the ghosts do um, that that, um, that uh, sorters have them do is is that when they actually sort of go to disappear from the bardo, they go through their future forms as, yes. as well as um, you know sort of the things that they might have been had they not have died. And, you know, initially when that started happening, I started thinking, oh, I, I don't think that's right. Yeah. And then I thought, for goodness sake, you know, that, that's that's such a, um, that's, that's a very sort of um, Euro-Christian-centric yeah. way of looking at things because in, in actual fact, sort of tied into that notion of, of reincarnation and, and what might happen, that it's absolutely vital yeah. that in imagining that afterlife, that it, it, it's not dictated to by a, a sort of a, 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 a Western or, or, or Christian logic in a sense, and so yeah. he does. He has he he has an extraordinary imagination. Oh, it's so inventive that scene where um the um I can't remember his name. I put it written down is here. Coleman or the? Uh, no, it is. Oh, where is it? I've lost it. Um, the the preacher who goes to um a form of Judgment Day. Yeah, which is just so funny. And yep. so brilliantly imagined. I, I mean, I would be very surprised if this doesn't make the short list. I, I would be. I would probably be gutted. And, I would and swear off the Book of Man. You yeah, know, Man, Book of Pies, for we, at least a little while. We probably um, wouldn't have a 2018 show. Well, we would. We would definitely talk about not having a 2018. Yeah, that's show right. And our outrage. In our outrage, yeah. and then probably do it. And it's so sad. Yeah, At yeah. its heart, this and is poignant. a story about grief of a father yeah. for his son, and it's beautiful and sad, and. Challenging, challenging because it gives us it doesn't sort of it doesn't give in to sentimentality it gives us these no. little glimpses of of other people's uh, opinions of who really was of, of that's who right Lincoln it's was. a real real master craftsman at work and i feel I, very I, I privileged have to, say, to read it that is the discipline of the short story you know yes. I, I think that um he's come out of the short story tradition and he knows exactly what he's doing yeah, and, and i think that there are a, a, there were a few moments where I felt as though in that book there were moments where things happened that should happen rather than needed to happen. Mm. And I think because there was such brilliant, like the, the, the brilliant representation of the slave who was just raped mm. um, mercilessly, brutally, and, 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 and so gr- gr- the, the, the story of her, her, her rape mm. um, told to us so, so, so graphically um that and and it felt that sort of felt so intrinsic to the story and and then i i, I felt that there were some moments mm. when um when when the, the the sort of i guess the the story was i feel like sometimes the characters 
were made to do things that they didn't actually need or, mm. or, or should do within the realm of that marvellous story world. Mm. Um, so I, 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 I don't know. I, I just There were just a couple of moments, yeah. which I don't want to give away, where I, I did feel... But overall? Oh, love. overall. I, I mean, in actual fact, I don't think that that in any way deterred, because I think if you were going to preclude stories based on whether they, they have flaws, then you'd never read Crime and Punishment. You'd yeah, yeah, that's right. Read half the books I mean, the there's world. no, so there's no, no perfect no, novel. No. So yeah. that's just that's just a curiosity, a sort of a, a small... Yeah. Yeah. So moving on quickly, um, Swing Time by Zadie Smith. We talked about this in our Best Books of 2016 show. I really loved this book. You did not love this book as much? No. Um, I, so I, this is about... Me a little bit. Yeah. It me a little bit uh, indifferent. Yeah, so this um, is about Tracy and Amy and um, their... Um, the narrator and its relationship to her friend Tracy as well as her relationship to a celebrity called Amy. Um, it's set in London. It's set in Africa. Um, I don't think we'll talk about it much here because we have talked about it before. So please yeah. listen to our Best Books of 2016 show if you want to hear why I loved it and why Michelle didn't. <laughs> Not that I didn't. I, I, li- I enjoyed it, but I, I, didn't, I didn't love it. Well, I have to say, having read a lot of other books on the short list, I probably, uh, sorry, long list, I probably wouldn't shortlist it. Um, because I think there are better kind of um, more innovative, braver, braver novels. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Um, another book that we've already discussed at length was The Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead. So we had a whole show yeah, on that. that. Um, that. And the story of Cora and, and Caesar and um, set on a slave plantation. Again, there's a magical realist dimension to this novel yep. where the, the Underground Railroad is an actual railroad. Um <laughs> So again, probably won't talk much about that, but I believe no. that we both loved it. Yeah, we did. But we we did. Uh, yep. Certainly. I mean, yeah, again, yeah. I'd love to. I, I, I'd, I'd love to see, see it shortlisted. shortlisted. I would yeah. be very surprised, considering it won the Pulitzer um, this year, quite recently. Um, then I would be very surprised if it wasn't shortlisted. So that's another really strong um, choice. Okay, we have two more to get through, and only nine minutes to we go. We can do this. Definitely. We can do this. Yeah. Um, the next one is Autumn by Ali Smith. Yeah. Um, so that's the, you know, unusual Ali Smith style. Um, it's it's kind of um, brilliantly, inventively written. It's about two main characters, Elizabeth and an older man that she befriends called Daniel. Um, it's part of a autumn, uh, sorry, a seasonal quartet that that Smith is writing. So she's writing um, quartet to come. Yeah, quartet to come. <laughs> so she's writing winter at the moment. Um, also lauded as one of the first Brexit post-Brexit novels. What did you think of Autumn? Yeah, look, I, I loved it. And and I think that's something that you can feel in the prose of Ali Smith is, is, that, is that she writes and, and she, 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 she must write and, and so she does write and she gets things out. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like she, mm. she, she, to, to, have, to have this story uh, published so quickly um, following on from mm. um, the from EU Brexit, referendum, yeah. uh, I, I think is... is not not all authors can do it. Not authors should do it. But yeah. my goodness, isn't it marvelous for a public that some authors can? Yeah, and you know what? Some of these books where they where they're commenting, I suppose, quite directly on a on a political moment. Like some of the post nine eleven books didn't work for me because yeah, I felt like they were pre- they were preaching, they, they were, were preaching, and they, they were, were and then I felt like yeah, and I felt like nine yeah. eleven was just shoved in as a way of going, hey, I'm writing a nine eleven book now. Yeah, yeah. This just brilliantly worked the way that. The, the stories constructed around this relationship between um, initially the very young Elizabeth and the older man who lives next door, um, Daniel, I thought was just really lovely. 
yeah. the way she talks about befriending him and you know becoming involved in his life and and researching this relationship he had with an artist um i thought it was deftly handled um the prose was brilliant it takes real skill i think to to write politically mm. and she does because it's not just the brexit um no it, it's also the artist that she so very much um i Forgotten Pauline uh, Boaty. Pauline Boaty. Uh, you, you know, th- th- there's something so very um, there's, there's there's something so very bold about the way that she takes on the reason why some artists don't, and mm. often women artists, often you know, sort of artists who sort of fall outside of mm. of you know, sort of that pre-existing notion of elitism, and uh, you know, she she takes that on, and and in yeah. a, in a really um, in, a, in a really defiant manner. And, and again, we have a focus on death and, yeah. you know, that idea That's and the idea of autumn in this is like the autumn of one's life and that kind of gradual kind of decline um, as, you know, you, you age. Um, I thought it was lovely. Everything worked together um, surreal, yeah, it liminal, because it's a beautifully liminal book. Like yeah. she really gets, and that's the thing that she doesn't just treat autumn in a, in a, in a sort of a facile manner. It, yeah. it, it, it really starts to, 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 to pack a punch. on. on and you're not sure where, there, where there's a sequence in which you're not sure if Daniel's actually dead or not. Yeah. Um, and he's in this liminal state of, of imagining or, or hallucination and you're not quite clear where he is and even when it becomes kind of more clear what's actually happening. Um, you still get that sense that we're on a kind of border space or we're in border territory and that idea of borders and um, and Brexit and the, the politics of it is so kind of nicely handled, I thought. Yeah, and, and then there's just there's a beautiful moment which I think sort of typifies what uh, what Smith does is and, and Daniel is, is, is telling the, the young Elizabeth uh, that we don't that we don't uh, that we don't stereotype our characters. you know we mm. don't pigeonhole we, we give them we give them the room. You know, yeah. to, 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 to be, to... Which is exactly yeah. what she does. And, and I think that because the mother, there is no character who... Yeah, is, you think the mother's going to be one thing and she becomes quite something quite different. Yeah, and we also see how Elizabeth also has uh, yeah. her own very uh, particular qualities... Yeah, yeah. ...that are, are, are not without consequence. And um, she's not a perfect character. She's flawed in realistic ways. I think she does... Ali Smith does character extremely well. Yeah. So I, I really enjoy that. Um, we have... Four minutes left. So four minutes to talk about our last um, long list E, which is Home Fire by Camilla Shamsi. Um, just came out, like, last week. Um, so I think we've both yeah, read we've this. Both read uh, you kindly lent me your copy. This is a contemporary retelling of the Antigone myth. Um, it's about um, Isma, who is an older sister um, of t- twins of um, called Amon and Anika, and their story becomes more and more kind of aligned to the Antigone myth as it, as it goes along. So it's about terrorism. It's about um, grief. It's, about, again, about death. I didn't actually very much enjoy this book. We had a little chat about mm-hmm. it before. I thought um, it, the writing was very basic, I thought. I don't didn't think there was anything too kind of innovative or interesting about the writing. It was very simple, to, easy to read, but nothing sort of beyond yeah, that. sort of basically the five sections of five characters. Exactly. Um, and you know, so I guess you've you've got the the, the, the multiple perspective uh, thing happening. But I, I guess that one of the things that happened for me was that none of the characters ended up with the sort of the the, the, the complexity to withhold to to withstand the the the, 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 the sort of ex- exaggerated plot. 
The um, plot to me is so unlikely. I mean, without giving away um, what happens, it, it you know does follow the kind of broad outlines, the Antigone myth. And I just found myself thinking this is so unlikely and so over the top. Well, I also worry, it worried me that on, on one hand it was deliberately, and I guess... Um, you know, I perhaps have a little bit of a different perspective on on, on this just because, I mean, my husband is Muslim and he has been taken in for airport in, interrogation. Just That's not the part that struck me no, as, no, no, as no, unlikely. No. And, and this was the things, mm. so when I say that I did find that, that there were too many parts improbable, it wasn't so much the fact that she couldn't have mm. had a father who was in, in Guantanamo Bay, yeah, that... that she couldn't have had this, that she couldn't have that. But the problem was that when you bring those things onto the page, mm. I, I, I feel that you that you have to be able to match them with the, with with story and character yeah. and I didn't feel that that happened and that you know I, I think today mm. um, I, I think that's that's actually a really serious failing I, I think yeah it's a, I it's mean a failing it, with consequences because yeah it, there were just lots of moments there where I thought this 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 story is is is, is problematic and and I mean I love the I love the I think Antigone is is such is such a powerful figure and so I wanted it to happen and. I wanted it to work. Well, see, I, I had an um, interview with the author, and she said, oh, somebody suggested to me that I should write an Antigone, a modern-day Antigone, so I did. I was like, but that's not a reason. You know, you've got to have a reason that this novel, which is which is so much about terrorism on the one hand, but kind of is married to Antigone. Yeah, it's yeah. just, it, it struck me as like I wanted to write a novel about terrorism in this kind of clunky way. Yeah, and, and, and I think that, 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 that is the thing, because I mean, even sort of, because I tried to rationalise rationalize it and thinking, well, maybe she's gone back to sort of a dramatic structure where it, it it's, 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 it's actually sort of because obviously these days we, we very much have a focus on, on, on language and aesthetics mm. and all of those sorts of things and so she stripped that back and she's gone back to, to, to sort of plot and action in a sort of Aristotelian way mm. um, but I thought even on, 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 on even sort of reading it along those lines as, as a sort of a deliberate um, sort of tragedy yeah. um, where you're stripping back the need to do you know um, sort of I guess the, the, the stuff of modernism or the stuff of this or the stuff of that I, even when I take it back to there I, I'm, I'm still I'm still not on the page with her yeah and I feel like the the big the big climax of the novel which you know happens right on the last page I just felt like it was clunky it was clunky and, and, and I felt I know, it was unlikely that that's Greek what I felt was unlikely well, even, I know even knowing that in, in Greek um, in Greek drama it was it was very possible for you know sort of these events to just happen and, and yeah. you know sort of um, outlandish uh, sort of uh, I guess complex um, sort of stunts to happen on stage etc but it, it but this I just didn't feel that the story supported the the, 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 no. the the final scene and it was like that was happening in an un, in an otherwise realist universe in ways that kind of were a bit at odds I, I felt some like of the things were too obvious. Some of the yeah. moments I thought were cliche. Well, some even were, even yeah. the the kind of explication of how the the te- the, the the twin, the male twin, mm. Parves, yeah. um, became a terrorist. I was like, this sounds like it's a story it's about a, why cliche. somebody is a. It is a cliche. It's, it's like it's a really simplistic representation. Yeah. It's an oversimplification. Which and is I felt like if I felt like it was an instruction manual. It also, it's, it's such a dangerous thing to do in this time. I think. Yeah, it was like somebody told her this is how terrorists are made, and so she went and wrote. Because there's so many negative 
you know, like we, we live in a world where, you know, sort of there's real Islamophobia. Yeah, and there's and real consequences to this. And there's real consequences to, to, to feeding into a yeah. simpler... Because, you know, you look at something like Exit West. Yeah, and that's done with such nuance. And this is so, you know, well, this... The, he became so a terrorist because this older man said this, and all. Oh, it was just—it kind of annoyed me, actually. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. hope that didn't doesn't make a short list, huh? Yeah, I, I, I would be really disappointed. If I would it be did disappointed too. There's so many good picks, and I just feel like this really didn't. It's an easy read. It is I, I, I broke, I breezed through it in like a day, day and a half. Uh, yeah, but an it evening, just, but it didn't. It doesn't really, it didn't really do much for me. We have completely run out of time. Oh, what a shame. Which is a shame, but we will be back with a shortlist show. So when the shortlist, the shortlist will be what announced. What we say? You know, we, we, yeah. we will have so much to, to <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. right. We'll have so much to expand upon. So when the shortlist is announced, um, we'll, be, we'll be doing another show um, that will go live just before the announcement of the winner, in which we'll go over the shortlist. We'll make our predictions as to who might likely will win. Um, and then the winner will be announced and will probably be... Um, proven wrong <laughs> but that's something to look forward to anyway and something to discuss and something to discuss so thank you very much michelle thank you stephanie so this has been another episode of from the lighthouse if you could please rate and review us on apple Podcasts, that would be very very helpful and we'll see you again in about a week bye <laughs>